It's time for Get the Lack Scoop, a podcast bringing you all the people and stuff you should know in the game of lacrosse. We take lack seriously, but ourselves, not so much. Join hosts Big Dog and Jaybird and the biggest names in the game. Brought to you by J. McMahon Lacrosse. That's JML, skills, mindset, and lax IQ training. Ron Douglas, the big dog, was a collegiate football and lacrosse player at Brown. He was also an assistant lacrosse coach and the executive director of the Sports Foundation. And Jay McMahon, the Jaybird, a three-time All-American midfielder at Brown. He was a captain of the U.S. Junior National Team and is the founder of JML. And joining us in the studio, Steve Grisalfi, whose collegiate lacrosse career statistics equals one goal against Dartmouth. This podcast is brought to you by Jay McMahon Lacrosse. Now, that's a mouthful, so let's go with JML Lacrosse. Skills. Uh, Ron, JML has lacrosse in there, so just JML. Friends, get used to Jay interrupting me all the time. It's <laughs> maddening. Fine, Jay. It's JML, skills, mindset, and lax IQ training, helping the next generation cross players get to the next level. Hello, everyone, and welcome back for the second portion of our three-part interview series with USA Lacrosse Hall of Famers, Alan and Darren Lowe. You will find our interview in progress. If you have not picked up on the first portion of this series, I highly recommend you go back and listen to the last episode from one week ago. Enjoy. The other, only other place that I really looked at and considered was Virginia. I went down on a recruiting trip with Jim Strew, who was a classmate at Brown, who basically on our trip down there said, we're going to Brown together. They showed me the lawn. I never had a robe. I wasn't going to go to a bathroom with a shower and a robe. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh, well. But I, we looked at it and said there was some scholarship money. Obviously, my dad was a teacher and my mom was an administrative assistant at the time, part-time. And so it was a big stretch for us to go to an Ivy League school without money. And I knew my brother was behind me and my brother's grades were better and his aspirations were Ivy League or, you know, he was going Ivy League. We, I kind of knew it. And so mm -hmm. I put our parents in, and my parents in a financial bind. Um, so there was one afternoon where I kind of came to the grips that I was going to go to Virginia because it was the best thing for us as a family. And it was a sad moment. I was outside shooting hoops and my father leaned out the window right before dinner and said, hey, come on up here. I walked in the kitchen. He had a yellow legal pad and he wrote down our family balance sheet and said this is what i need from you i'm going to need you to make this during the summer and it's going to go into the pool to pay these are the loans you're going to take out to pay for it we're not going to give you this and not be able to give your brother an equal opportunity and you know so nothing was given in that way and i think my experience at brown was all about taking advantage of the people i met and you know when i was there it wasn't just about the lacrosse the individuals that, that were there in my first three years in particular showed me a tremendous amount of that leadership and they're just incredible human beings as well as, as well as great lacrosse players that i spent time with. and then as a senior that leadership void was gone and Andy Towers had, you know, left school for a year before coming back during that time period. So from a player perspective, there was a lot more on my shoulders to, to handle. And I kind of felt like I was put in a good position by the people before me. So Brown, I always tell people, like, I went in there as a kid. I left as what I thought was a man. And I learned a lot that didn't grow up further. Uh, right. Well, absolutely. With that senior year that you had. Brown, the moral compass that was, that was given to me up there was pretty amazing. That's great. 
Now, just as a follow-up, you've remained involved in the game at the highest levels. And what advice would you give a high school sophomore today about the recruiting process and what things they should be doing to help it distinguish themselves? Well, I always tell people, the kids here at the Benjamin School down in North Palm Beach, like you walk into a coach and you say, my parents sacrifice, I work hard. That just triggers a few things that say, I'm going to be a good teammate, right? Because that college coach, their job is on the line with the eight to 10 kids they bring in every year. They have to be good citizens, good players, and they have to produce to keep their job. And so that's one. And then the other pieces too are like continually work on your craft. You know, as a, as a sophomore and junior, you know, things speed up, I guess, you know, because of the club circuit. But it's amazing when I was handling the selection committee for the 2018 games in Israel, one of the things when we picked the team, we asked in the room, how many of you played lacrosse as your only sport growing up? And only one of those 23 guys wow. their hand up. That's and amazing. That's just a massive miss because what I learned in the basketball court, you know, create an angle on a fast break on a bounce, you know, pass to stopping at the foul line is the same in lacrosse as I would have learned on the soccer field or my brother would have learned playing quarterback at, you know, Princeton for a year in the freshman team. You know, those things matter. And I think, I also would think that lacrosse players that get recruited, they're usually really, really good. I would like to see kids today do something that they're not really, really, really good at. So they actually have a taste of what it's like to be a member of the team when they're not the star. And I think right. that's that I remember Dom recruiting when Dom Sarge was at Brown he never saw me play lacrosse in high school until I had actually committed he only came to watch soccer or basketball games hmm. and I think he learned about me as an athlete so I would say that that's probably something the advice I would give don't give up on those other sports because they're, they're lessons that's great now, Alan, tell us about your legendary coaching career at Manhasset High School and tell us what you loved most about coaching. What I liked about coaching, once you get on the field, it's your job. It's your group. You don't have anything, I mean, none of the baloney from the day going on. But I had a great group of kids up at Manhasset. We had a great run of kids. And I think one of the things that well, Bob Rule, who just passed away, by the way, is a good friend of mine. He coached the defense and the goalies. We both came from the USA team and people in the community really couldn't say too much because they knew we knew more than them. Right. And we got on the field and I also coached football up there and I got some of the marginal kids out for the team that, you know, that maybe a second string midfield or something like that, you know, where, where it made us stronger. Whereas Tommy Postel was a coach before me and he was outside. So he really didn't get a chance to recruit kids in a school. I could recruit kids in a school and I got some pretty good players there. But we had so many good athletes. People told me I wouldn't enjoy it over there. When I left East Meadow, I think they were trying to keep me there. But they were great kids. They worked hard. And when we started getting biggest teams, you know, larger numbers, we really did well. And I had some, I had some pretty good players. Pretty good players coming up. Tell you Absolutely. Now, yeah, I was going to say, tell our listeners what those best players did to separate themselves. Okay. Well, first kid that I had on my team for two oh. years was John Driscoll. John Driscoll was just 
He was just a cut above everybody else. John, you know, a lot of people, a lot of kids, players, they want to win, 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 win. John didn't want to lose. Didn't matter if it was a ground ball or a goal or a fast break, running the guy down. He had whatever it took. He had it in him. And he, he was terrific. He was probably the best player I ever coached. He was terrific. That's a great distinction that you make there. Yeah, and I think Danny Denahan, on the other on the other hand, was a great attackman for me. He was a midfielder. I moved him to attack because I didn't want to leave him on a bench so long. He was he was that <laughs> yeah. good. I wanted him to have the ball. And you know, I we weren't watching Danny. him. He, he came around a cage. He was tough. And yeah. He just kept coming. You know, there's one thing about an attackman that that's very difficult to teach. When you get to goal line extended, it's where do you go from there? Do you fade away or do you make that turn? A good attackman, that's a good attacker, make that turn and come around the corner. And it increases your angle when you're shooting. And Danny could do, he did that really well. One one game I put him on a crease. He says, Coach, I don't want to be on a crease. Well, I want to try something. I said, we, we were playing a team that wasn't, you know, it was a mediocre team, but they, they had a real good defenseman that was going to guard him. And I wanted to see if the other kids could pick up on a crease, how front the middies would be dodging. And, I, and this guy left him. I want to see. Danny get in an open area, catch the ball because if he's on the crease and he catches it, it's going to be all over. So I said, you know, we might need this sometime, so let's just try it. We try, try different things, you know, every once in a while. But John Gagliardi played for me. John was a midi when I first got him, and we made him a defenseman. Huh. And he, he was a good midi, and he was a terrific defenseman. Right. So John, I'll tell you something about John. People don't believe this when I tell them, but John was a better shooter with a long stick than he was with a short stick. Really? <laughs> that's why we moved. That's why we moved into defense. He wasn't that good of a shooter. He was. A, he was a great. He was a great defenseman. He played. He was good. Alan, how about if we go from you as a coach back to you as a player? I'm. I'm wondering when you think about that '74 U.S. national team where you won the world championship and were the captain of that team in Australia. What? What are like one or two of your fondest, most fond memories of playing on that world championship team and captaining that team? Well, first of all, it was an honor to go as a, a US, USA player. We didn't have tryouts. They had a, that was the first year. They had a, a panel that picked the team. I think it was half college and half club. I think we have had eight guys from Long Island lacrosse club on the team. Nice. And we went out. I mean, the guys, I mean, everybody became, everybody was an All-American at some point. Everybody was an All-Star on the man up, the offensive players. And so, but everybody sacrificed and everybody played and everybody was very unselfish. And it was great playing with those guys and it made it easy. But actually, in the last game, we were losing by five goals at halftime. It was raining and cold. It was cold. It was cold over there. And then all of a sudden, we just put it together and bang, 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 bang. It was closed we just closed them out that was great playing over and playing against we scrimmaged the president's team when we first got over there and we said the president's team wow they must be pretty good these guys came rolling out of the locker room and (laughs) had these old blue helmets and the guy comes up to me says hey nice boots you have mate because they gave us white shoes that's in the joe namath year that's when everybody started wearing white shoes you know oh yeah <laughs> you lit a match in the huddle they would have blew up <laughs> it was kind of strange but instead we, of water you know, bottles they had fosters yeah, yeah we had we played every day we practiced every morning at 8 30 to 10 30 and then they take us to some pub for lunch and everybody was going god it's, 
<laughs> so, so, Darren, I mean, I, I don't know, but is there a father-son team other than you and your dad who've, who've you know, ever captained and won world championships? So I want to flash forward your experience almost 30 years later, right? You're playing in Australia. You're captaining the world, you know, the U.S. national team in the world games. You're playing with your brother. I mean, it's like a, I yeah. mean, it really is like a fairy tale. So can you tell us what that that experience was like for you? It feels like just yesterday. It wasn't. But, you know, I, I, I grew up with a dream that that was a possibility and actually running through that and having it happen in the way it did is, is something like, you know, I'll never take for granted ever. I, I feel like it's an outer body experience, like it wasn't me. And a couple things that happened, you know, a dream of being on that team in 1990, playing against the team as a college select group. Mm. I got off the field and I had a good game. And those guys were like my idols that you're playing against in the 1990 team. And my dad said to me, he didn't really give a dole out a lot of compliments, but he said after the game, he goes, you might play on that team someday. And wow. so, you know, I go, okay, that's great. And it fast forwarded in 94, I got cut from the team mm -hmm. and stayed with it, played box lacrosse, got better because my stick skills got better. And, and then in 98, made the team, wrote my father a, a letter before the first time I went out wearing the jersey and told him I appreciated everything he gave to me, allowed me to dream this. And then my brother got cut that year. He was hurt at the tryouts. He blew out his ankle, kept playing. I was heartbroken for him because I played for his college coach. You know, the irony of that. And uh, decided to keep going. In 2001, you know, the one thing about the 2002 team that's very different, you know, I was living and working in New York City when the towers got hit. So being on that 2002 USA lacrosse team was even more special for a lot of different reasons for what I saw firsthand. Mm -hmm. what my brother saw firsthand you know my brother was down in those buildings and not in the buildings across the street but running out dodging bodies we had members of our team that were down there in lower manhattan dodging bodies and we talked about it at length in australia and and what it meant to wear the jersey and what we were playing for and being far away from home and that group was really young you know that group was college kids for most part i had more things in common with the coaches than i did with the most of the team's teammates and the two of us Kevin and I were able to kind of really like put everything we had into it. And, you know, that process of being alone, doing stick work by myself out in New Jersey, living out there, you know, working on creative stick skills. Jamie Monroe, you know, helped me with a lot of the training philosophies that I see him do and some of the things doing the stick skills, leans, felt like I got faster and better. And that process was just amazing. I always say like that was, that was the ultimate. You know, I, my last pass was to my brother. You know, that's and I great. I haven't played since. Wow, that's awesome. Now, Alan, how about for you? That must have been phenomenal to see both your sons out there playing for Team that USA. Terrific. That was terrific. I'll tell you why. Because I saw them play two years against each other in college, and <laughs> as a father, you know, you go up, you go to the game, and say, "Hey, I'm going to be a winner today." Well, it doesn't work that way because when the, <laughs> your son is getting beat, the other son is getting beat. That's who you really root, not rooting for, but you know, at Brown, you hear the Brown fans yell at Kevin and at Princeton, you hear the, <laughs> the Princeton fans yelling at Darren. So, you, you know, it's, it was that was the two worst games I ever watched. I mean, yeah. you know, as a parent. But I think the first, before they went over to play in the World Games, they played the New Jersey team. 
it was a New Jersey professional team. Professional team. Yeah, because the just, setting was that a lot of the players were going to do this new outdoor league, right? And then Kevin and Darren decided to go for Team USA, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they went in and they played. They played great together. I mean, they they were th- they were passing the ball all over to each other, and they looked great. And the whole team looked good. I mean, they they just outplayed them, and he said. And everybody said, well, the USA team's not going to be good because they're not getting the talent. Well, they were talented. They were, they looked, they were talented. That, not only that night, they continued on. In, the, in fact, they didn't even have some of the college kids because they were still in the playoff. Wow. So, uh, was, well, that's great. And they weren't expected to win, I don't think. Might have been the only no, year the U.S. They, wasn't the favorite. And then they, they pulled said, it off. They said they, were, they should come in third. Wow. I think, I think they got the... the Stand her up a little bit. Right. So, that's great. That's good. I um, hate losing. Huh? I hate losing more than I like success. Yeah, that's awesome. Hey, Darren, when you think of, I'm going off script here, Jay. Obviously, we've known each other for a long time and have gotten to watch your lacrosse career, your professional career, your family. Is there a way to really encapsulate what the game has meant to you? and what it's brought to your life over all these years? I've been really fortunate. You know, as a son of Alan Lowe, you get to meet a lot of cool people in the sport of lacrosse. My mother and father were also two people who guided us to be to be selective around who we took advice from and who we became friends with. And they were really careful with us in that way. So lacrosse was an avenue to test ourselves every day. And I just had good guidance, you know. I always say, like, I tell my own children today, I'm, you know, they're a quarter of pop-up, you know, and they're not pop-up, so maybe I'm better. I don't know. But the rest of it, the rest is, there was a lot of guidance. My mother was extremely supportive. She drove me everywhere to watch lacrosse. So I, I think there are a lot of people that get to watch lacrosse. Yeah. I got to watch, I got to watch, you know, Garden City, Manhasset, Manhasset, Farmingdale, like Levittown Division, like I didn't miss something. You know, CW Post was playing Penn, I was going to watch it. If, if Adelphi was playing Brown, I was going to watch it. And, you know, like you talk about dreaming, 1982, I think the only other team, I think the 2002 USA lacrosse team was is the greatest team that's ever been put on the field for multiple reasons, which is multifaceted reasons. But the 1982 team might have been the most talented team. And, we spent a week down in Baltimore at Hopkins watching that, and they had lost in 78. And that was a redemption group. A lot of those men that were on that team were advisors to me in life, which is amazing. Mm. That's can great. I, can I so add for, something? Can I add sure. something to that? Yeah, actually, it, lacrosse has meant everything to us. I, I came from an old baseball player that changed over to something got into a school that I wouldn't have got into ordinarily. My boys did the same thing. They got into a school that they probably would have trouble getting into. And look at what they have done with their lives from there. So they got, they got a good start out of it and they really have gone places. So something that, you know, you hope for the best. I look where I came from. I look where I am now and I look where my kids are. And it's just the level keeps getting higher. Just, that's great. That's from lacrosse. It's all, almost all from lacrosse. Yeah, That's mean, awesome. When I worked on Wall Street, almost all of my clients 
or the jobs I got were working with four people that were lacrosse backgrounds, clients, lacrosse backgrounds, you know, those relationships really carried the day for me. That's great. So for our listeners too, you know, they can take one of the things as far as getting good at lacrosse, not everyone's going to have a dad like your dad was, but what you did was you got proximal to where the best lacrosse was and anybody can do that, right? Yeah. They can turn on ESPN plus it's like a $5 subscription. They can go and take a drive to a local game and uh, get proximal to where things are happening. And then, as you said, lacrosse, it was the same thing for me, same thing for Ron, same thing for Steve. It really can help you get into a better school, a school you may not have gotten into before. So for our listeners, it's really worth the effort, putting in the time. And as Darren said, to get better and better, he was really, he, he was a great player. He was the player of the year. He doesn't make the USA team. And what does he do? He doesn't get frustrated and doesn't, you know, you know, get upset about it. He gets better, right? So that's another thing we need to do is think about our mindset. We don't get frustrated. We kind of get more, you know, fascinated, if you will, with the problem and say, how can I improve and get better? So I think that's a great lesson for our listeners and people who are looking to get better at lacrosse and then seeing where it takes you in life. You know, like Alan just said, it really made his life better, made his son's life better, and it can do that for everybody involved. And to get back to the Mindset Minute, Dr. Rob Gilbert of the Success Hotline, whose information we'll link down in the description, and whose Sage Sports Performance Teachings, along with Brian Kane's Mental Performance Mastery, are part of the J. McMahon Lacrosse app and our online virtual coaching, which can be found at the Apple App Store and for Android on Google Play. They point out the fact that every great and accomplished athlete, such as Tom Brady and Michael Jordan, ran into some serious adversity during their careers, such as being cut from a team or not making the starting lineup. And Dr. Gilbert likes to say, don't put a period where God has put a comma. Another great teacher said the brick walls aren't there to stop you. They were there to test you and to see just how bad you want to succeed. And Dr. Gilbert says, when faced with adversity, we need to answer three questions. First, what does this mean? Is it the end of the road or just a bend in the road? The choice is yours. Two, what are you going to focus on? Are you going to get bitter or get better? And third, what are you going to do next? They recommend a four-step process. Number one, we are to figure out where we are. Number two, figure out where we want to go. Number three, find a strategy to get from where we are to where we want to go. Make a plan. Then just do it. That is, execute the plan. Both Michael Jordan and Tom Brady applied this technique to their greatest of all time careers, and you can too. As the saying goes, just do it. And this concludes our Mindset Minute. Please enjoy the remainder of the show. And Al, Alan, you know how painful it is for a defenseman to pump the ego of these two guys, you know, like they, <laughs> like they need any more, Alan. But I will also say these two are both incredibly talented, natural lacrosse players, but they're also two of the hardest working players I've ever been around in any sport right? Constantly, constantly working at their game, constantly, constantly trying to be better. So I think when we're, you know, speaking to young players today, 
work, 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 right? If, if you want right. to be it, good, you can be and good. When right? You, right. And when you love it, it doesn't even feel like yeah. work. So that should yeah. be a, a tip to parents too, is if your child is interested, great. But if they're really loving it and passionate and that's, you know, what would they do in their spare time? They'd go out and do some wall ball or they'd imagine yeah. some new shots in the backyard. You know, that's when you know it's the right thing for them. Alan, I've heard a story that I need to corroborate that okay. you, were, you were involved in an early lacrosse organization that some say was the precursor to what now is USA Lacrosse, and that there were meetings of this group in the basement, and it may or may not have involved a cooler. To hear the answer to that intriguing question, please tune in next week as we continue with our series with USA Lacrosse Hall of Famers and father and son, Alan and Darren Lowe. And until we meet again, here's to hoping you find the twine. We're signing off here at the Get the Lax Coop. Thanks again so much. We will see you the next time.